is on fire. The roof is on fire. The dude. roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We have no roof, Jeff. We don't need no water. Let the mother burn. Oh, burn, mother. Burn. See what I did right there? Yeah. I just edited on the fly. I just edited to the roof is on fire. I'm so proud of you that you've finally learned how to use your little toy there. Have you ever listened to the Bloodhound Gang? Uh, yeah, once or twice. They are wordsmiths. Really? Is that like Hello, silversmiths or blacksmiths, but words? Listen to this. White guy. I'm not old or new, but middle school, fifth grade, like junior high. <laughs> I don't know, mofo, if y'all peeps be fucking giving props to my hoe, cause she fly, but I <laughs> you missed an edit the there. Heat, the no, no, way. it's no. rough yeah, well, anyhow, uh, if you listen to that song, it says, I'm not old or new, but middle school, fifth grade, like junior high. One of the, probably the coolest, uh, that's a cool song. The Roof is on Fire. And the reason we're starting off with The Roof is on Fire is our special guest we're having on today, who is a fireman. Was a fireman. Well, was a retired, retired fireman. Retired. And, uh, and a sound man and uh, a friend, been a good friend of mine for a long time. And um, also, uh, Hambone is still on vacation in the British Virgin Islands. Oh, I thought we weren't, weren't allowed to say where he was. I thought he was just in an undisclosed location. He's in the BVIs, as they call it, so he's still out till Wednesday. So uh, my guest host today is two-time rodeo announcer of the year, barrel racer announcer. <laughs> uh, I'll do anything that pays. The official <laughs> announcer of the Bandera Pro Rodeo. That's where we're at, yep. Just bought a new place in Texas with an eight-foot driveway. <laughs> he's wearing a Rump Chat t-shirt, which I'm pretty happy about. I'm sure he stole. But um, True. the great Garrett Yergin, my guest host today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you also, uh, before we get to James, big stuff coming up in the month of June. That's right. Ponca City Rodeo. I'm excited. Yeah. This is, uh, how many years is this now? Like 67-ish? Yeah, 60, 68, I believe. 68, yeah. We got new bleachers. Oh, gosh, I'm so excited. Brand new bleachers. We have Chancey Williams, one of our favorite people well, in the Well, now let's, let's go in order. Let's, do, let's pay respect. Thursday night is uh, Ben Burgess, uh, Nashville recording artist. Um, the thing about Ben is um, a lot of people probably know his music. They just don't know it's him because he is uh, a songwriter, writes a lot of hit songs that you've heard on the radio, um, both kind of Texas country and mainstream. Um, he's Thursday night. Um, Saturday is um, Dylan Carmichael, who, by the way, is the nephew of uh, John Michael Montgomery and Eddie Montgomery. No shit. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't know that. John Michael Montgomery, he was the jam back. Like, he was, oh, yeah. hold hey, on to me when there's, remember that? Hey, pretty lady, why don't you give me a sign? Oh, yeah, the Grundy County yep, auction sold the under, Grundy County auction. Um, he actually, uh, he played a few nights at the Cox Pavilion after the NFR last year, and he did that in his set a couple of the nights. And, really? And uh, he, he did it really good, so hopefully he does it again. But as you mentioned, Friday night is Chancey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band. Yes. Which that's what I'm very, very, very excited for. I'm sure that there will be absolutely no gold buckle beers consumed that night. I, I tell you what, Chancey just got done doing his uh, his Grand Old Opry and debut. his Billy Bob's debut. Yeah, I went and saw him at his Billy Bob's debut during the PBR finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I mean, besides besides just Chancey coming, great uh, Sammy Andrews. Um, mm-hmm. Our the rodeo has been on the up for the last several years. Getting better every year. The yep. Gold Buckle Rump Shaker VIP Zone. That's right. 
we are. I think we're completely out of tables. Yeah, and uh, if if you folks will follow the uh, 101 Wild West Rodeo Facebook page, they just posted some pictures a couple days ago of the new double deck, double deck risers, and uh, those look cool. Yeah, so it's it's a uh, it's not just a rodeo; it's a party in the prairie. That's right, the Ponca City Party Prairie. You know, we did a 101 Wild West preview last year with Tyler Mays mm-hmm. and Corey Goodno, and uh, those guys, while they're good at a lot of things. Talking on a podcast is not one of them. <laughs> they they flat just gelled up, <laughs> like wouldn't talk. But, you know, honestly, that's one thing I'm learning about the podcast deal. Me and Hambone have had a lot of different guests. We're like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be good, Jeff Skaggs. Mm-hmm. We're like, man, he's going to be so awesome. This can be hilarious and funny. And then you get him on, they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, didn't didn't you have uh, didn't you have our big teddy bear friend Slammer Powers lock up on you at Corpus? Sam didn't lock up, but he just didn't let loose. Oh, he was trying to be too polite. Like instead of you know, I love Slammer. Well, you know the cool thing is we're actually going to Rump Chat live from the uh, uh, Jimmy Powers Memorial Steer Wrestling and Party. Really, in Arizona, Texas, this fall. Well, when is that? It's uh, I believe it's the. Th- third week of november so it'd be the week after lubbock's college rodeo be the week after their pro rodeo yeah the yeah the pro rodeo and so they're having uh thirty thousand dollar added bulldog and jackpot Dang. they're having a goat roping of course they are <laughs> they're yeah. having a band they're having a like this is going to be the ultimate party and so Dang. that is where i'm going to get sam kind of pulled away from yeah, the action yeah there you go and sam powers he is he's a cool cat he's hilarious and he you know the other thing too is like at Corpus Christi, you know, we're there with the WCRA, and we're, uh, you know, recording at Brewster Street. Mm-hmm. The Ice so, House? Yeah, Brewster Street Ice House. You've been there. So the hard part is we're on the local radio. Oh, right? really? At there. So they stream us in. And so, like, Hambone got in trouble for saying the word shit. <laughs> and he said it, like, three times, and finally the the DJ guy was like, hey, you can't. And, and Hambone, he, he felt terrible. Then we had a uh, James Taylor, the steer wrestler from mm-hmm. Tulsa, not the singer. Oh boy, not how sweet it is to be loved by you, James <laughs> Taylor, but steer wrestler. And James, you know, he's listening to Rump Chat. You know, he's like, "Shit, I tell you what." We're like, "Whoa, yeah, get <laughs> see that on here." But uh, yeah, Sam. So when you put like different people, like so, there's people there. The day Sam on was on, there's like, I mean. We're in a restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Corpus. And so there's a lot of people. There's a lot of rodeo people, you know. I mean, people were obviously there, and but they're watching you. So instead of, you know, like right now where we're at, we're outside and beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Bandera, Texas, there's no one around. We can kind of cut loose. We're not on the radio. We can right. say what we want. But, you know, you put sometimes you put people in front of a crowd. And they clam up. Instead of being like, man, that son of a bitch. I was running the steering, man. He slammed him. And, you know, I get up and go back. We're drinking. You know, it was, uh, yes, sir. Uh, that's correct, sir. Thank you, sir. I, like, he served me. And I, I don't feel like, I, I know probably I'm older, but I got, I don't like getting served too much. Even like one of the bull riders last night here was like, how are you, sir? I'm like, what? The, what? <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm like, I'm the rump. Call me sir. I'm yeah. too cool to be old. <laughs> I feel like I'm timeless. I, like, you know, as long as I keep my face painted, my You're hair. timeless treasure, My rump. hair not gray. <laughs> timeless treasure. But uh, also, Ponca City, Cody Emerson. 
Cody Emerson. Rodeo Bullfighter yep. making his way back to Ponca. Nathan Hart. Nathan Hart. PBR Finals. PBR Finals, Nathan Hart. NFR, Nathan Hart. That's right. Good Harp, for him. Harp's another one that won't talk. Yeah. Have you ever been with Harp when he had to go to the radio station? Yes. Ponca? And he hides in the corner? He doesn't want to. He just wants to sit in the corner and eat donuts. As I say, the only reason that we get Harp to go is because there's free donuts. Which sucks because he's like he's got abs like Matthew McConaughey. Well, I've not been checking out his abs, but I have not in the weird way. Well, but like (laughs) what I'm saying is like Harp is in awesome shape, and he just eats donuts and cookies. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, don't understand. It's not a big deal. I eat one donut, I'm gaining 34 pounds. Yep, immediately. By the way, you have lost weight. You look good. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a process. I need to get back on the horse after this Memorial weekend. I, uh, you know, uh, my good friends are down here. You know, Shotgun came down and. You know, have a couple of drinks, and James made uh, awesome tacos. Tacos, yeah, which are not, you know, the James Orcasitas tacos on a, on a meal time. plan, but uh, <laughs> they're on a good meal plan. That's what they're on. Oh, they're so good, but uh, yeah. So Ponca City, be sure to check it out. It's coming up right around the corner, second week of June. Uh, we are not on the Cowboy Channel, so you must come buy a ticket and see us. Yes, just throwing that out there. That is awesome. That's actually one of my favorite things. Uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have great numbers this year. Also, um, by the way, contest the bubble the bubble bull. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. That- I-, I was gonna say contestants. If you're listening to this and entries, uh, I don't know when you're gonna air this episode, but if entries haven't closed yet, um, they're redoing when the slack is to be more accommodating for contestants. You know, it had always been Thursday night after the rodeo. Yes. So uh, all the all the men's events. And the breakaway roping are going to be Thursday morning, and only the barrel racing is Thursday after the performance. So I did not know that. Yeah, keep that in mind for contestants that Dang, might be listening. How in the world do you know all that, Garrett? Because I look at things, Rump. <laughs> you know that little business journal that the PRCA puts out a couple times I, a month? I have not been home. Do did they, did they still physically send out a business journal? No, you got to look online. I was going to say. Actually, because- actually, I think they do. I think they still do maybe once a month physical and twice a month digital. You have to request it. Do you oh, really? I, you, don't, you don't get the business journal. You have to just, I always just look online. I do too, but I seem to PSN, still get one in the mail. <laughs> you lucky bastard. <laughs> I'll bring you one for a souvenir. Well, let's go ahead and get him on right now from the rolling, beautiful, grassy hills of southern New Mexico in Las Cruces. Have you been there lately? Not very rolling hills. <laughs> or grassy. The great James Horcasitas. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, like I said, been a been a friend. A lot of people don't know this. When the whole triplet debacle started, was actually in James's driveway. Now, hold on a minute. Okay, no, not hold like Hold on a minute. <laughs> We're going to need you to clarify some details on what yeah, you just clarify said. clarify that because that sounds kind of odd. Are you saying that your love no, was no. consummated? No, 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 no. And the children were conceived in James's driveway? No, I'm saying, yeah, that sounded bad. It um, sounded very bad. <laughs> we, <laughs> Please clarify. Why are you turning red, Rob? Because that's not what I meant to say. But like, that's what came out of your mouth. Okay, so. The debacle started in James's driveway. It didn't start in James's driveway. <laughs> he he found out that he was going to be daddy times three. Oh, he was okay. there at the house. Okay. Yeah. So how it all happened was that makes way more sense. Well, we found out in Mesquite, Nevada, right during Logandale. Okay. And so then um, we. This is my pre full time. You know, this is when I first first started going full-time and didn't plan real well mm-hmm. so i go from logandale 
to Corpus Christi, Texas. They're close. To Las Cruces, New Mexico, for the college rodeo. Yeah. Which is just, uh, if you look at a map. <laughs> you crossed over one to go to another. <laughs> you drove by if Las Cruces. you look Cruces. at a globe. <laughs> so we get done at uh, Las Cruces on, or at Corpus Christi on Sunday. So we drive to the college rodeo that we used to do was actually pretty badass. In the parking lot between the football stadium and the basketball stadium. It was oh, all, nice. all portable. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, it is right there. And it was fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, but it. And it's I, all college kids. They all walk down from the dorms, and it's just a big party. Awesome. There was there was not a lot of bleachers, but I mean, flat just rodeo in a parking lot. And it was, it paid good. It was fun. Uh, Doug Mathis announced it. Diamond. James did the sound. I clowned it. And so there, there's nowhere to park there. Like for an RV, there was no, I mean, everything was portable, even the lights. Right. You know, which it was an afternoon perfect. We still had some light towers and generators to run all the power for the sound. Everything was. Wow. Yeah. It's a field of dreams. <laughs> Pretty much. It was. I mean, it was an undertaking. Jim Dewey Brown was the coach there and, and uh, kind of headed that up. And so uh, we parked in his driveway at his house. Was it bigger than eight feet? Yes, you could get into James's driveway pretty easy. That thing can make it in there. So, yeah. so we backed in and we're staying there. Well, Ashley starts getting sick, really sick. Mm, like why we sick were times three. Yeah, when we were in the driveway, that's what I meant by that's where it started. Because so then James at the time had a little bumper pull uh, toy hauler that was his rodeo rig, and uh, so we pull it to the the arena and we called it the green room because. We had a generator and we plugged that in, and <laughs> for me and James, and you know, we'd all kind of hang out. And Ashley was uh, just sicker and shit from being pregnant. And uh, the joke is, uh, she broke in the camper, James's camper, by puking in it <laughs> yeah. oh, repeatedly. Nice. Oh yeah, she's like James. I'm so sorry. She's like yesterday. She apologized. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's like I <laughs> still feel. But I was like, no, it's a different camper than the one he has now. But yeah, he had to get rid of that one. Actually, so, <laughs> he couldn't, couldn't get the stink so, out. We uh, so we were in his driveway, and uh, after Las Cruces rodeo, I was supposed to go to uh, Payson, Payson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. James was too. We were both going and. And so we had a few days off that we were supposed to just hang out with James and and uh, just kind of kick it around Cruces there. And mm-hmm. so she was getting so sick. She said, I don't think I can, I don't think I'm going to make the trip. Mm-hmm. So I was like, crap, you know, and we're like, what do we do? And James is like, well, you can leave your trailer here. So I drove Ashley from Las Cruces back to Ponca with my pickup, dropped her off. And and uh, so she could be at home because nothing mm-hmm. nothing's worse than being sick on the road for sure. Oh, it's the worst thing ever. For sure. uh, no matter how nice your trailer is, <laughs> or, it, you don't want to be in it. You right, know. Right. Yeah. So then I drove back to Cruces, and then we went to Payson, and it was it was a crazy time for the old big bear. Yeah, thank you for clarifying because where I thought that story was going was highly inappropriate. So, no, no, but anyhow, well, we were gonna have to make this a rump chat I, raw episode. I, I say all that to say that. James has been a good friend, and uh, this is the cool thing. You know, we do a lot of rodeo stuff, and James, you've been involved in the rodeo deal a long time. A long time. But also, the fireman, uh, as a firefighter. 20 years. 20 years, you just retired. This is my one-year anniversary of retiring. Two decades. Uh, I literally retired to come to this rodeo. Really? Yes. He retired to get busier. He had to get busier. I retired so I could get away from that so I could do this more. So kind of set us up here, James. I want you to tell us, uh, before we get into the fireman deal, because I want to hear firefighter stories and uh, some cool shit like that, but 
uh, your rodeo career. Talk about your rodeo career and and how you got to where you are right now. I mean, you're you're a busy dude doing some great rodeos and and rocking up and down the old highway. So I I was actually raised by team ropers. My dad, my uncles, everybody, my brother, everybody was a team roper. Grew up with horses in the backyard. A family has a ranch in northern New Mexico. I grew up there. Every so you know how families are. You work for free, so if you're available, you go work for them. Mm-hmm. So spring breaks, weekends, summers. I spent every summer with my grandparents at the ranch in northern New Mexico. And growing up, about eight years old, nine years old, we went to the El Paso Pro Rodeo. This is early eighties. This is probably eighty three, eighty four, back when the greats were going. And I told my dad and my mom, I said, I want to ride bulls. And they just looked at me and said, You're crazy. No way. So every year we'd go to the rodeo. It's like, I want to ride bulls. I want to ride bulls. About the age of 13, I told him, I'm going to go ride bulls. And my dad said, when you're 18, graduated high school and out of the house, you can do whatever the hell you want. And so I was like, okay, well, then at age 13, my dad gets a job in Europe. So I moved to Germany for three years. Really? You've never Whoa. been. Yeah, I lived there for three years from the age of 13 to 16. Like the country, like way over there. Deutschland. Originally it was West Germany before Berlin Wall was still up. I've, I've, been to, I've actually climbed the Berlin Wall. I've got pieces of it. I've been to Paris. I've been to Italy, Sicily, Rome. See, I did not know any of that. Oh, I've, I've been Amsterdam, been the red light district, uh, just kind of everywhere, all over Europe. So it was cool. It was, and I didn't live on a base either. I lived on the economy because my dad wasn't a military guy. He worked for the government. So we had to live on the economy, so I had to learn German as well. I only know one one word hmm. in German. Is it the bad word? No, it's a, do you know what you call Heineken a, does not count. A push-up bra in German? <laughs> what? Keep them from sagging. <laughs> Keep them from sagging. A push-up bra. Anyway, James, back to moving along, yes. So when you were, I mean, you obviously kind of, you can't carry out the rodeo dream in Germany. No, but my dad took me to an armed forces rodeo, and for the first time in my life, I saw them roping yaks. Yeah, no shit. No yaks. kidding. True story. And they had just horses they found out, and they, they just put it together. And I just thought that was so cool that you know these guys that wanted a rodeo, they put it together somehow. And the bulls were big old milk dairy cows and whatever <laughs> they could find. They weren't even all bulls really. And so that was what I dealt with, and I couldn't. So I didn't touch rodeo for three years at all. I come back when I'm 16 years old. I'm heavily involved in sports, in track, cross country, football, is it kind of everything. And little by little, it was like, I want to go ride bulls, but I, I was really chasing track and wanted to do something with it. Didn't work out. I was way too short, way too skinny. And once you go against guys that are from foreign countries that can outrun you like a day off. Did you run track in Germany? Yes, I did. And that, that was smoked you? Uh, Germany, I learned a lot there because it was uh, high altitude. So when I came back, it wasn't that bad for me. Your lung capacity was stronger. Oh, it's so much better. But even Cruces is high altitude. It's high desert, what they call it. So I don't have a problem training. Like when boxing, we did the boxing thing. It was the high altitude. We never had a problem. So fast forward to graduate high school, I'm sitting there and like, what am I going to do? Like now I have no clue what I'm going to do. And I met a guy I worked. I got a job at a rental store, rental equipment. And it was Bob Romer, the bull dancer. If you yeah, know your I remember, yeah, he just yep. passed away a few years ago. Exactly. He became one of my best friends, and he's like, you want to get on some bulls? I'll take you down to a place. So I went to a place down south, and Dustin Danley, uh, God bless him, he, just, he was very patient with me. But after I'd ridden horses for so many years, it almost came naturally of how to you know keep your balance, stay on, work to the front. Went to the Gary LeFue School, and... That's all I chased. My dad was so furious that I didn't go to college. It, it just drove him nuts. And 
little by little, I started wanting to put on bull ridings. So my friend and I, Van John, started putting on bull ridings. I was a bullfighter because that paid the bills for <laughs> riding bulls because I wasn't very good at <laughs> riding them. And I wanted to be a rodeo clown. And this is about 99, 2000. So I was fighting bulls and clown. I bought a sound system for the bull riding little production company we had. It was tiny. We had one a month. And one night, the announcer didn't show up. And they're like, well, you know everybody. Why don't you just go up there and announce? I was like, you know, when Washburn was there, he just retired, was starting at the Hall Bulls places. I think like, I'll try it out. Announced that event, was playing music at the same time, and sure enough, right after the show was over, I walked up and said, hey, you want to do my shows? I'm like, oh, okay, and that was 2000. So I'm like, okay, I'll kind of dink around. I was working on the pipeline and didn't really have a direction. 2002, I got in the fire department, and just little by little, the career started taking off, and... 2007 I got my PRCA card 2008 really and it just kind of took off from there and I get to go do what I love so like with the retirement I tell people I did what I had to do for 20 years so I can go do what I love to do Mm -hmm. firefighting was awesome it was amazing but it really messes with your mental capacity your heart and your heartstrings it really you see the worst of people is a thing nobody calls 911 because they're having a good time (laughs) that's true well and you know that's why I was I was thinking about yesterday, you know what, it's pretty cool to to have you on because uh, Andy Hilton, which is Hambone's brother, mm-hmm. he's a fireman. And I got to thinking about it, like, we did a we did one show with my brother-in-law where we called it Back the Blue, where we had um, Chad, who a, was a policeman, now he's a detective for the uh, OSBI and other <laughs> big organizations, which is pretty damn cool some things we can't talk about on public airwaves <laughs> can't say it. but uh you know i'm like we've never sat down with a firefighter you know we we always hear the rodeo stories and and uh the the mental game of the fire you know and, and that's where i need to be more mentally strong you know because i bitch about the cowboy channel mm-hmm. but i've i've never been in a situation like our our first responders have to get into like you're fixing to go into a burning building and don't yeah. know what's going to happen and even that you you get so ingrained in it. Your first couple of calls, you, you you're nervous. You're, you're like when you first start out and, you, and you're in the firehouse and you hear that bell. Are you like, oh hell yeah! You're you're hell yeah. But your biggest thing is the it's not a fear of what you're going to. It's the fear of I don't want to screw up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the first time being a bullfighter in front of a crowd or in front of your idols or working in front of people you respect. Now the Cowboy Channel, people are going to see whether you have that or not. In the firefighting world. If the house burns down, you look like you failed. If somebody died, you look like you failed. Maybe it just—it's a hard thing to do, but you become connected with that scene. Of there was a shooting. There was a—I can go into some real bad details, but it's one of those when when I show up, it's game time every time. I can't have a day off. I can't have a minute off. I can't take two seconds off because that might cost somebody their life. So I'm going to ask some questions, and they might might be dumb. Uh, no, there's no such thing as a dumb question. There is uh, with me. Only ask, dumb people asking. No. It's, Thank you, Garrett. <laughs> so when I, teach, when I teach firefighting classes, I tell firefighters or cadets, I say, the dumbest question you ask is the one you don't ask. Well, okay, so I'm going to ask some of these questions. Have Garrett, you ever heard him ask a question? No, Garrett, you get, you get your ask some questions too. Ask, okay. so I don't sound like the only dumb one here. But, you know, like when you, it, when, you know, rodeo, non-rodeo people ask you a question, it's the dumbest thing, and you're like, are you serious? But they don't know. That's right. Yep. Like, when someone says, um, do you wear red so the bulls will try to gore you? And you're like, that's a dumb question. That's funny. But really, I mean. It's entertaining. So, 
so as a fireman, um, the way that you guys' shifts work, like you're you go and you stay at the firehouse for extended amount of time. So the uh, the the first. 16 years of my career, we were a 2448. We were there for 24 hours, so we went in at 8 in the morning and got off at 8 o'clock the next morning. And then we were off for two days, 48 hours. The schedule changed shortly before I left, about four or five years before I left. It went to 4896s. So we were there for 48 hours for two days, and we were off for four days, which seems fine and dandy. Like, I get four days off. But if you don't sleep for 48 hours or sleep very well, your first day and a half is just that dredge day yeah. where you're just kind of just dragging ass all day long and you can't get anything done. Well, because plus, you never know, like, when you go to the firehouse, you don't know what you're – it's not going to be like, okay, everybody get in here. We got, we're going to have a fire at 9. Yeah. We got to go to an emergency at a people's home at 1030 this evening, so rest up. Or when you think you the, the tones alarm is on your pillow because every time you put your head down, the damn thing goes off. <laughs> and you're like, dude, son of a – and you get up and – you're like, you bitch the whole way there because it's your fifth call of the night. It's still three in the morning. You haven't slept at all. And then you get there and it's a little grandmother. She's having a heart attack and her whole family's there crying. You change your mindset. Like, okay, these people are in need. Quit being a little bitch about it. Oh, Just man. step up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I've never been to the firehouse in Las Cruces. So, like, do you guys have your own rooms and shit? Like- yes. Yeah, so you have your own dorms, but you share them with because there's three shifts. It's A, B, and C. And there's three refrigerators, there's three pretty much of everything, three lockers for your bunker gear, three lockers for your gear, three lockers for your uniforms. It just, everything's kept separate. There's a line actually in the fire department. You can't take your bunker gear into the firehouse. It can stay in the bay, but not in the the house. And Garrett, would you, because I know, but I don't know if you know, would you like to say what bunker gear is, Garrett? Uh, would that be like your sleeping attire? <laughs> no. Bunker. You don't know. God, you dumb. James, go ahead and tell us. Oh, so bunker gear. No, no, hold on. What is it, Rump? It's so easy that you should know. You tell us, Rump. You know what? Why don't we let... I know what it is, but let's let the No, no, you tell us what it is, Rump. It's gear for when you're in the bunker. Oh, really? Bunker gear. <laughs> you're such a dumbass. <laughs> no, bunker gear is the gear you wear when you're in the fire. So okay. it's the, the three layers. The, the, the heavy stuff. The heavy stuff. So you add, with, with the air pack, you're adding... Ba- now with the new tanks and the carbon fiber, you're adding about 65 pounds of gear to your body once you start. Once you put the jackets on, they're made to keep the heat out, mm-hmm. but also keeps the heat in. So yeah. you want that sweat layer, the vapor barrier, keeps any water from coming in or getting out. So the second you go into a structure fire, your inside of your body is already at flu-like temperatures. Mm. So you have to learn how to control your breathing. What happens when you're... Your temperature goes up, your heart rate increases, your breathing increases, you're trying mm-hmm. to blow off air, but you're in a mask and all that. And even in the mask, if you're facing fire, it's heating up inside your mask. It'll get oh, so yeah. hot in some fires, it'll melt your mask. You'll see it start uh, spalling and start cracking. You're I, like, oh, I couldn't dang. do it, dude. If, if my if my shit started melting. Mm-hmm. So I always joke when people say, like, oh, do you smoke? I said, oh, I've, I've only smoked twice in my life, but that's because I was on fire both times. <laughs> I was on fire, and they had to put me out. So, so when you... Uh, yeah, like your typical day. I've always wondered about this. This might be another dumb one. Well, I think there is a typical day for them. Well, I mean, well, you kind of have a schedule. So when you get in there and you get started, like if if you say if uh, if you work work a, a fire and you get done at like two in the morning, um, and then you get back to the firehouse at say two thirty, and then you don't get a call till like eight o'clock the next morning. Do they, I mean, you can go to your dorm and, and just chill or, well, or no, is there like set, certain things like, okay, we have to do this 
every every day in your shift. So you need to clean house. You always clean your house. Make sure it's clean for your crew, and then you clean before the next crew comes in. Make sure everything's taken care of. You actually cook your own meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You have to do your. Uh, you have to have so many continuing education hours for your EMS license, for your fighter fighting license. You have to do constant classes online now, especially now since COVID. But you also have to maintain everything that's there. So the driver checks the engine. You check certain spots. You check anything that might have been left somewhere. But say after a structure fire, you're not just done. Okay, we fight fire. We're done. Okay, now we got to go back to the station and clean all the hose that we used. Now we have to swab down. Yeah, you don't want dirty hose running around. No, dirty hoses. Nobody likes a dirty <laughs> One time hose. it's not a good thing running around. <laughs> so you clean all of it. You hang it up. You put new fresh hose on there while the other stuff's drying. Then you got to go take a shower, clean, wash your clothes in an extractor that's outside, put on your second set of bunker gear that's clean, put your other gear in the other extractor to get it clean because you can't, you basically have to wash yourself down and scrub before you go in the house. And then you go out. Then you can go to sleep. So say we get back, like you just said, 2.30 from the fire, we might get in bed by 4 if we're lucky. Wow. Dang. Because your adrenaline's still running. You're still – then you have, you know, a, an after action. Okay, what could we have done better? What was crap? Who yeah, sucked? Is there, is there like a – your chief, does he bring everybody into a room and like kind of debrief and talk about what happens sometimes? No. Or is that like a, like a once-a-week thing? Or? If there's a fatality, if, especially if there's a fatality or an injury, but we all have to write a report of what your company did, and then we all put it together. Every every fireman has to write a report? Yes. No shit. Mm. Yes. Not just like the lead guy, everybody. The lead guy will write it up, but you all have to sit there and put it together. And then you send it, and so you might have seven companies there. Now you've got seven to eight different reports because the battalion chief has to do one, the safety officer has to do one. Whoever showed up on that scene has to add to that report. But you can add it online, which great. Before we had to all write it by hand, it was crap. Now it's online. We can all join in. You put it in. I put chat it in. GT, what's that chat deal? Or <laughs> chat GPT, that AI where it can just fill it in for I you. Would just use a Google Doc, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get, by the time you get done with your report, it's four thirty in the morning. Dang. You ha- you have to do the report as soon as you get back. Like yes, well, yeah, your reports you have to do it while you remember it. Well, I know, but at the same time, like man, if you're if you're worn out and doesn't you're, matter. You're tired and you've been fighting a fire. Suck it up, buttercup. You get back, it's like, man, I'm worn out. Here, sit down and do some paperwork. All your reports have to be done before you check out for your shift. Wow. So if you had, and what's really tough is you have four or five, six calls before the fire, and you thought, I want to get back, I'm going to do my reports and knock them out before I go to bed. You get the fire, you're out of commission for four to six hours, and then you basically get done at 4.30. You're getting off at 8. Well, better start knocking out reports. So what 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 happens, like, okay, say say shift changes at 8. If you go to a fire at 7 and you're out during the shift change. So if you're, you're still out, the other crew will come in. They'll see where you are in the fire. They'll usually typically leave that crew there unless it's been it's going to be a long fire, if it's still going. But if you're in the cleanup phase, they'll send that crew. They'll, put them, they'll go pick up a utility. They'll come over. You take all your gear off the engine, and then they get stuck with cleaning it up for you. It's it's not like when you start it, you finish it. It's just you suck it next shift. Swap out. I've been on uh, one of the biggest fires ever. It was probably one of the largest in Las Cruces' history, and it was one of my first years there. It was my second year, and I just got my face uh, spider fractured from a gate a bull kicked and hit me oh. right in the squared me up right in the eyebrow. Um, James is all about safety with firefighting and bull riding. (laughs) So that's exactly it. But I went to that one, and... We went in to the building 
And I was the second crew in. Then you start hearing these last big, uh, a large, large restaurant, huge restaurant. And you could hear these huge slam explosions. And we all kind of looked at each other. Of course, you can't see from me to you. Mm-hmm. You're all kind of just, you got to go mask to mask. And it's like, those are the air conditioners coming down. Those big old 10-ton compressors mm, that are above. Yeah. They're coming through the ceiling, through the roof. And we ran out. We left the hose line and everything. We lost tools because we were just like, bail, get out now. And right. they were just coming down one at a time towards us. So we just surrounded and drowned and made a big old uh, parking lot. Dang. But if one of them came down. We were trying to pour water through the windows when we thought we could still get it. The guy actually lit it on fire. He he gasolined it. So every time you'd spray it, you'd see it spray up. Dang. There was so much gasoline or whatever he used in there. And one of the compressors came down. I had my mask on. A good friend of mine, Willie, was with me. And it threw so many two-by-fours out the window, it smacked us all in the faces. Dang. Okay. The explosion did? The, just, the, just the pressure oh. that came out. Wow. So, And it, it's amazing to, to see fire eat. To see fire live, breathe, there's so many cool, I say cool now, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to train rookies and you go into a house fire, you can sit down at the front doorway and you'll see it's rolling fire and you tell them, hey, just blast it a little bit. Just hit it real quick to bring it down. It'll darken it out. It'll turn to smoke. And then all of a sudden you'll see these snakes coming through the ceiling. Mm. It's chasing oxygen. It's wanting, to, it's wanting to eat. Oh, yeah. And they'll start coming over and it'll lap out the door behind you. Damn. Jeez. So, um, this who, de- who decides who drives the fire truck? Uh, you, you promote to driver. Oh, you but have I, a CDL probably. You can, no, actually, no, you don't. <laughs> it is the craziest thing ever. I had a CDL. And I was like, okay, I already have a CDL. Go, well, we don't need a CDL to drive. You get an E license. You take a two week class. License. You take a two week class, and then you, congratulations, you passed the t- But you have to know the pumping calculations. That's the hardest part of it. Oh. CDL is one thing. But the pump calculations and knowing how much uh, pressure loss you have, friction loss to the nozzle, how much the nozzle has you have to give, which nozzle's on there. There's all this math you have to be able to do in your head in a moment. Well, you're out, Rump. Yeah, no joke. 700 fist posts. You can't just say you got water, don't you? That was the famous <laughs> line. You turn it down a little bit. You're trying to ride the thing. And you got water, don't you? <laughs> so um, when you're talking about the fire eating and stuff, um, I know in rodeo, I get so frustrated when people watch corny rodeo video, rodeo movies, and then they're like, oh, is that how it really is? And you're like, no, that's nothing like, mm-hmm, right. you know how it is. When you watch the movie Backdraft, which Backdraft was blew my mind. Did you ever watch Backdraft, Garrett? No. He was You've bo- never watched Backdraft? He wasn't born yet. I can't say that I have. Well, it's still, I mean, it's a very entertaining movie, but do you ever watch that and go like that is not how this shit is this is so stupid when you you can't throw a fire extinguisher into a fire and it's going to explode and put out a large amount of fire it's going to laugh at it it's not going to do anything it's not one it's not going to explode but have you watched that several times oh i've watched it once oh really and i just couldn't stand it i couldn't stand it you know i've never watched eight seconds what never now you're out of your mind. Okay, I we're, have We're it. muting your microphone. You're done now. You're yeah. you're done here. You're not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched it because I don't I don't want it to ruin in my head. I will say of of the rodeo movies I've seen, they they did an okay job with that one because the there's not there's really not a lot of rodeo scenes. I mean, it's the story of them meeting and falling in love, and and obviously the tragedy. Yes, is a rodeo scene, but. Um, I, there, there's not to me. There's not as many rodeo scenes in it as you'd think. Have you seen the PBR movie where uh, the longest ride? Cl- yeah, Eastwood. Yeah, Eastwood's in it. Clint Eastwood. I have seen His it. Son? It's yeah. 
No offense, I mean, it, but it, it's way more Hollywood than Eight Seconds was. So that's what I'm saying. Like in the movie Backdraft, actually, you you should watch it uh, because it's. I don't. I know it's probably not factual. It's very entertaining. So you want to? It can't be. I, I just I knew that firefighters games. would watch that and go. There is nothing like this shit. This is the dumbest shit ever. So you have to take it with a. Just as it is. It's Hollywood. They're going to do what they, their spin on it, what they think it is, or they think they have advisors that know what they're talking about. And the same thing times, for rodeo. Same thing for rodeo. Same thing for police shows. Imagine, imagine like Tom Brady watching a football movie. I mean, like, say. Uh, the replacements. Ole, ole, yeah. ole. I mean, like, you know, We Are Marshall, or Remember the Titans, or uh, um, what was the um, one with Tim McGraw and. Uh, oh, uh, any given Sunday. Blindside. Blind side. Blind side. Blind side. I mean, okay. those football movies, imagine like being a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or somebody like watching those movies. They probably think, oh, geez, that's not real. That's not real. Same thing for us when we watch a rodeo movie rodeo or movie. you watch or westerns. You even watch yeah, westerns. You watch time. a firefighter movie. Like So Ladder 49 actually was really good. But that was more, more factual. Uh, more factual, but it's also touching of what can happen in the worst situations. So it was more of a, hmm. I watched it one time, and I promised I'd never watch it again because I was like, "Oh God, this is not the not the movie you bring your wife to." Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, and it was, and they were like, "Oh, free tickets for firefighters. You guys should go." And our union wanted to support it. We showed up, and then I'm like halfway through it, and I'm just like, "Oh God, now this is all she's gonna think about." Yeah, it's me dying in a fire, and it it's just she. My wife has been very, very just superb about everything. Being a rodeo guy, but being a firefighter, and being a firefighter's wife is not easy. Because well, yeah, because you're at home by yourself for days. You're a single mom. She's yeah. a single mom for yeah. throw in, third throw in a rodeo year. husband on the side or, yeah. or a rodeo wife on the side. And, yeah. and so two-thirds of the year, I'm down the road. You know, she goes to a lot of rodeos with us, and the uh, kids go as well. But just the fire department alone, she had to deal with the unknown. If I didn't call her that night, mm-hmm. if I didn't text her or message her, that, that was the weird part. You know, God bless, God bless firefighter wives. I I never even thought that. Yeah, and police wives as well. They go through the same nightmare. It, Shit, it's, and it's all shift work, so it's not like you're, you're going to have to miss some things because of the way that your shift and, lines And to out. your point, like, you know, we'll take here, for example. Like, she probably knows, okay, from 8 to 10, James is going to be unavailable. You know, he'll text me after 10 when Rodeo's done. So then it's like, oh, if it's, say, 1130 and she hadn't heard from you, then, you know, the worry sets in. But firefighters and police aren't all them. It's... You you don't know when to expect the text well, or call you, you or something. can't you can't be like oh it's eleven thirty, and I'm going to a fire. I'm going to text my wife real quick. Hey babe, going to a fire. Right, right. Call you back. And it's in the rule was with her and I is I'm not going to share everything you, with you. Did you oh, sit yeah. down and, and like kind of establish the norms of how it was going to be once you got firefighting? Not at first because she she we got into a relationship shortly after I got in, and so she learned. And within, I'd say four or five years of, and I, and when I, when she and I first started dating, I was at the top 25 busiest station in North America. We were ranked between Miami, wow. Florida and one of the stations in New York city. Dang. Wow. So the only time I've ever been top 25 in my life was, <laughs> it was amazing because we were a one unit station. We were one uh, engine station and we run 16 to 24 calls a shift for 24 hours. Dang. And, but was that's most, where I got was my most of those fires, or was this like EMT. No, or? we were in an old district right there, just by the university, actually, in between the the split of I ten, I two five. So we had a lot of highway accidents, a lot of automotive, a lot of college 
kids, accidents, drinking, overdoses, overdoses. I could drop Narcan on people like candy. Mm. It got to a point where, but you learned real quick if he's got a lot of tattoos and he's gangster, don't hit him with the whole thing because he's going to come up fighting. So yeah. I don't know if you know what Narcan is. No, no so idea. When you overdose and say heroin, I can give you this magic shot, naloxone, and depending on the dosage I give you, I can either bring you in back slow, but what it does is it erases the entire high. It's basically like being, I'm drunk and having a great time. And all of a sudden, okay, I'm sober. And But the thing is with most, I, I hate to say this about drug users, is they had to work their tails off or steal, rob, and find a way to get that high, and now you just took it away. So they come up fighting mad. Well, luckily I've never done heroin, so. <laughs> yeah, so. But you walk in and they have needles in their arms. Oh. You walk in and you see their kids on do, the floor. Do they the call? Floor. Oh, my God. I, That's do, terrible. So do they, do they, are they the ones that call? No, no, their friend calls, but they're all they're sitting in the corner, and they're looking at you like, "Yeah, you guys were here last night." Like, no, I wasn't, but the other crew was. Mm. We've saved the same guy thirteen times. Is it hard to do that? Because you're like, "Hey, dumbass, quit doing heroin." Not really. It, it's it's but it's got to be a little frustrating to know why are you doing this again? You're not a good heroin user. But <laughs> maybe maybe get some other it wrong. Maybe, maybe try playing golf. I mean, <laughs> maybe Monopoly's your deal. I don't know. So are there are there places like I mean now that you're retired and stuff and you're just driving around with family going to lunch or dinner or whatever. Are there places you go by and like memories flash back? Oh, it, the whole city. The whole city is a memory, and I'm born and raised there, so I know a lot of places. Right. And we'll get to a funny story and one of my some of my favorite funny stories. This episode is brought to you by Remuda, where the Western industry gathers. If you're passionate about horses and the Western lifestyle, you'll want to check out Remuda, the app that connects you with the Western industry. Remuda is a marketplace, social platform, and business listing app that allows you to buy and sell horses and gear, chat with other horse enthusiasts, and find the best businesses for your equine needs. You can also benefit from sponsored ads that offer you great deals and offers from your favorite brands and sellers. Remuda is the app that enhances your horse experience. Download Remuda app now from the App Store or Google Play or visit remuda.io. Remuda is where the Western industry gathers. You go by buildings, and when I, I'm completely honest with you, I went to counseling right before I got out mm-hmm. and found out that it almost ruined my relationship, it almost ruined my relationship with my kids, my wife, my family, with everything. And it's the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I told the counselor when I met him was, if the words, you know what I'm going through, or anything of that nature come out of your mouth, I'm walking out of this room. Because you have no idea what's going on right. inside here unless and what I've seen. Unless you suited up. Like, like, I literally walked over a chalk outline of a guy we saved years ago in the front of your, where your office door is. Because it was in my busy district that I was in for 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And like, so I see things in every street, every road, every... There's a shooting, there's a, a death, there's a baby, there's a... And, but some there's some cool things. There's a baby birth. There's been some amazing, like life-changing... Like, mm-hmm. Wow, I never thought of that in my life but the memories like you go to rodeo like oh my oak tree i've been here for seven eight years mm-hmm. oh this is my oak tree these are great memories those not Don't great memories kind of i mean man this is this is bringing so much more to light than i that i could even thought going into this but i mean i i can't like you said there's good and there's bad but you know uh i think the and we've talked on rump chat before about the mental health Everybody, especially think in this day and age, we we go away from that so much. You know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to look good for the gram and do this and that. But like mentally, um, 
my dad is a big preacher of being mentally tough, but I, I can't imagine going around and having to see these places where something horrible happened. And it's not something like, well, I'm going to shut it off. Day's over. Like, you can't leave work. You know, if you're an accountant, you know, 5 o'clock hits, bam. Yeah, shut the computer going, off, going, you're done. I can't believe what happened on that 1099. But, you know, <laughs> uh, as... That our, guy's taxes are no, God, yeah, You're not laying awake going, did I file that right? You know, but, <laughs> like, first responders and, and uh, you know... Like, like I said, where my father-in-law was a sheriff and, and Chad had been in the police department. And, and you know, first responders, they, they, there's no possible way that firemen and policemen and EMTs get paid enough to no. deal with all the bullshit and the stress and the, like, God bless them. But God bless you guys all because, yeah. wow, can you imagine? We, uh, you know, last year, um, Cheyenne's campaign or initiative each year they do something different last year it was mental health and the yellow feather campaign and stuff and um you know every performance we do a little kind of shout out promo for uh you know mental health awareness and stuff and it was it was kind of eye-opening at the people rodeo people rodeo contestants and and you know husbands wives you know things like that um that sent me messages and said hey Really want to thank you guys for shining a light on on the mental health side of things, and and uh, you know it's it's something that like you said get, doesn't get talked about enough in rodeo, and I'm sure for y'all doesn't get talked about near near enough. They try, and the departments are starting. The unions are the ones that are really bringing it to the forefront. But, but I think until suicides quit, it's not going to be enough, and it's not going to stop. It, it's. Do you guys have like a like a fire, uh, or did you have a somebody in the firehouse that you know you could always, hey man, if if something bad happened. You could go talk to immediately, or you, you, not really. That was the one thing that we fought for, and we had uh, mentors that were firefighters, but they might not have been on shift that day. They might have been off that day, or the guy's not on. You know, there's nobody available, so you'd have to put in an appointment with the uh, mm. employee assistant program. And but on if your you days set, off on your days off, <laughs> and if you said any of the three magic words, they'd pull you offline. And once you found out what that was, what was the three magic words? Death. Can you think of any others? Yeah. Suicide. Uh, harm. Mm. I feel like harming myself. I just, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about, once you say one of the three magic words, they're going to finish the meeting, they're going to go report it, and you're going to get pulled offline, which I totally understand. Oh, yeah. But it's, he may not have those thoughts. You can talk him off the ledge or her, but they would just, they weren't us. Mm-hmm. They weren't firefighters. Now, uh, the union in Albuquerque has a mentor group that is all retired firefighters. They want me to come in eventually, but they go, James, call us in three years. Yeah, get away from you it. are debrief. They said three years. Calm down. We don't want you now. We want you to be able to just not let it reiterate what you just went through. Chill out. You've been. I, I've been a union member my entire career. I was on the board for twelve years, so I was big on mental health and. The other thing about health with firefighters, even with uh, police officers, is the cancer risks. We're the highest risk of cancer of anything. Mm. And I'm talking every type of Smoke cancer. inhalation and stuff. Oh, it's everything. The the bunker old, gear old, we wear. Old burning buildings full of asbestos. Asbestos, yeah. You name it. Anything. Inside that RV, inside your trailer, inside your truck. You, a mm-hmm. dumpster fire is the worst fire to go to. Mm-hmm. Because how many chemicals are inside that dumpster? You don't know. <laughs> exactly. I've seen them glow 20 different colors. Dang. While it's on fire. Yeah. 
and you're like, okay, so all we do is just dump a hose in there and flood it. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there because it's going to explode at some point. Somebody's going to blow it up. Yeah. Because who knows what they put in there. Arsonists, I, those guys used to drive me insane because you're chasing a bunch of trees on fire. Mm-hmm. And, but I had to inhale all that. And I'm a, we always call, hey, we're short timers because we've already listed ourselves. Mm-hmm. We put ourselves in those positions because when I first got in, if you had a mask on, oh, you're a sissy. Mm-hmm. Why do you got your mask on? Take your mask off. I kept mine on a lot of the time, but I went to so many training fires. Say the training building's over there, but I'm sitting here. If the wind even blows in my direction, I get that particulate inside my lungs. Now it just sits there and festers. Your right. body gets a hold of it. That could is it is it a changing demographic? Like if you look at years ago in, in bull riding when no one wore a helmet, and now today if you don't wear a helmet, you're like. Why in the hell is he not wearing a helmet? Like, put one on. Vests. Same thing with vests. Helmets. They... It's so sad the way it was with the mask and firefighting. Like, yes. back in the day, oh, you don't need a mask. And now today, you're like, you're a dumbass if you don't use one. Because, I mean. And you talk to guys like. You only get one body. Why are you wearing a mask? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, because I don't want to sound like you in 10 years, all right? <laughs> Come on, you're a smoke eater. No, I'm not. I don't like smoke, all right? And But it's just being away from the building. Going into a building that was on fire two days later that particulate is still there and that's the thing a lot of people didn't understand for so many years now after the fire's out that it's still in the air it's still it affects the neighborhood Mm -hmm. wherever the wind blows guess what all that little ash and everything is still blowing down the road that's why those uh you know in ohio when the train derailment caught fire that's why the people in the city all left and didn't want to come back because they knew all that stuff was in the air and in their houses and stuff yeah that that scares me i watched a documentary uh netflix uh called the meltdown of uh, uh three mile island three mile island yes mm-hmm. which was about the 70s and 80s a nuclear plant and how, you know, once everything was calmed down, the air was still just jacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know? but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, no, nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on, meanwhile. I, I would, the, the mask thing, I would not, I would not go against that. Like, yeah. I don't even like smelling farts, like, you know. Well, you put off enough of them. I know, that's what I'm saying, but I don't like smelling them. <laughs> so, like, I maybe get. You maybe you should hold them in. I get taken, I'm about to we don't like you. We don't like smelling yours either. <laughs> But the, do you feel like that for the 20 years that, that you've done that, do you feel like that you your lungs are still – I mean, you run. Me and Garrett were going to the pizza place yesterday, and we saw you jogging by. <laughs> and we had great, a slice for you. Great <laughs> yeah. shape, doing good. Like, is that one reason you run a lot, to kind of keep them lungs from all the, the damaging shit that you've had to inhale? Kind of- no, I, I've been a runner my whole life. It, it was – my dad was a runner. And, you know, I used to ride my bike with him, and he would run. Right, and then little by little, I became a runner. Got in the track, cross country, long distance was my thing, and I just liked the one. One of the reasons I love to run is because one, nobody's going to go with you. That's Nobody right. wants to hang out. Garrett, you want to go? I can. No thanks. I can ask everybody at the rodeo, and there's not going to be good one way person. to get away. And it's my meditation, clear my head, and it was my big meditation after when I was in the department. Let me get away. Let me let it all out. It was to empty the backpack, is the saying we say. If you get too many things in your backpack, it's going to weigh you down, and you're just going to drag everybody down with you because you're going to pull everybody with you. Empty your backpack. Talk about talk it out. Get it out because if you don't, it's going to fester and get worse, and it's only going to eat away at you. So running is my meditation, my finding my harness in my chi, finding my center. It hurts. It, not saying it doesn't hurt, but I enjoy it. It's kind of that, the was it, the towel? I have to discover pain in order to live. 
That way I know I'm alive. Yeah. And that's kind of my feeling of, you know, I can do, I'm going to do it. As, I love running marathons because nobody's going to make you do it. It's only as mentally tough as you are. Mm-hmm. And it builds my mental, my mental toughness to be ready for anything. Do you have a uh, bumper sticker that says 26.2? No, I don't. I don't do that. I don't have a firefighter sticker. I don't have a firefighter license plate. I don't have t-shirts. I don't do any of that because I never wanted to be, oh, he's, oh, like be treated different. When I left the firehouse, I was dressed like this or in my boots and jeans or I left the firehouse like this. I showed up like this. Is there, is there like a, an unspoken hierarchy though in the, among firemen, like, uh, where even if they're not, uh, a higher level as a chief or whatever, but is there some guys in there? Is just there a kind pecking of, order? Like a dick, like almost a fraternity. Yeah, it, I, I've heard it's a that. boys club. It's a boys club now with girls too, and the girls have their girls club. But which girls are the better girl? They to themselves they think, but you you have respect levels. There's guys that think they know it all, and they're not very good at the job. They just literally are pretty boys that are trying to hook up with chicks because they're firefighters. <laughs> they put they get that the license rump. plate. Is there like a that buckle bunny rump. term? If, if you, badge bunny. It's badge, badge bunny. bunny. Yeah, but yes. it's firefighters. Badge bunny. Yeah. I've never, that is freaking phenomenal. <laughs> There's badge bunnies, and my wife can't stand them because you go hanging out with your buddies or your friends, and then all of a sudden that, that group starts showing the groupies, as we call them, the badge bunnies show up, and you're kind of like, oh, okay. The hose hose. No, there was a, this is why you need to watch um, Backdraft. In the movie Backdraft, he gets this chick up on top of the fire truck, and he's, they're naked, and he's banging her. Oh. And. Then they get a call. They get called oh, out. And so the what fire, a the fire truck is going out. And, and they're riding on top. And they're, <laughs> <laughs> the hose is on the hose. Uh, <laughs> and she's threw her clothes off the side of the damn Fire truck. <laughs> that actually was kind of entertaining and funny. Oh, I yeah. bet. But could you imagine, like, oh yeah, come on up. Oh shit! Did y'all hear the tone? Did y'all have a pole in your firehouse? No, we did not. Oh. We don't have the Dalmatian either. Because actually, to be honest, oh. to give you a little lesson on this, here's your history lesson. Dalmatians are actually mean, angry dogs. I don't know if you've ever been around a Dalmatian. No. Creola Deville didn't mind them. So guess what? Well, she That's the mean, reason they person. used them because they would protect the hydrants. Because people mm. would try to burn down their buildings. So they would try to like keep the firefighter. They would fight the firefighters off of the hydrants so the building burned down so they could get the insurance money. So then they had, or they, well, they would hook up the hose of the hydrant. They'd leave the Dalmatian there to protect it. Interesting. So Dalmatians were a protective. So explain the Dalmatian on the Budweiser Clydesdales. I have Protect no the beer. Protect, protect the, the beer. beer. They're mean little, if you've never met a true Dalmatian, they are mean little, and uh, very protective. But you know, I, I think that that would be hard too because you think about us, Garrett. We got it pretty good. If if we don't like somebody to rodeo, we don't really have to be around. And we have our right. own trailers, our own place to stay. Right. You can. You might have to be around them for two hours during the perf. But if you're a fireman and you're with a dick, you're stuck with that bastard for mm-hmm. forty eight yes. hours at a time. It's the worst. When you get some <laughs> douchebag guy that just oh yeah, and then he. Wants to invite all his girlfriends to the station, take them can on tours. Can they do that? During open hours, during public hours, they can do that. Mm. And you just get annoyed as all get out because these guys are just there for the show. And you're probably trying to take a nap. And I'm just, oh. well, I was always busy. I always had stations where I had something to do. Mm. Well, I was always part of a specialty. Well, I was air packs and masks was my specialty for many, many years. But I was also a trainer. Mm. 
So auto extrication, that's, I'm a master in that. And I love teaching people how to tear carts apart because I don't got to put them back together. Let's right. go tear them apart, <laughs> <Yeah>. break and <laughs> tear shit up. And then like, like the jaws alive. Yes. And mm. it is so much better now because now we don't have the hoses on the end of them. They're battery powered. Mm. So you can go inside the cars. You can be upside down underneath. You can do so many magical things. Yeah. You can pick up eggs with them if you're, if you're good enough. Really? And it is just a whole different technology. Kind of like we were talking about the air packs earlier. I can do an hour inside of a burning building now, which you shouldn't, because of the air packs. And the air packs are even smaller than they were before. And mm-hmm. But the same way with the extrication equipment, I can tear a car apart now. With vehicles have changed so much. Take a car, you know, nobody has a 99 Buick down the road anymore. Right. They're very far and few between. It's all these new ergonomic cars that are made out of so many different types of metal. You can say it, new pussy cars. <laughs> the, the aluminum bodies. I didn't want to say it, but. It's rum chat. You can but say it's not it. even aluminum bodies. Pussy, I, pussy, 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 pussy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you say it. <laughs> you can cut through them faster with a Sawzall than you can with the cutters. Because the Sawzall's got that heat signature. Once you get that little bead going, mm-hmm. I can zip through it. I can cut three pillars faster than they cut one pillar on, or about one and a half on a newer car. Mm-hmm. Because those cars are all beer cans now. Right. They've got a seven-year lifespan, if that. They crush them, they melt them down, and they make another car. All these new cars that are out on the road today, mm-hmm. they're made up of about 800 different cars that were melted down. Okay, shot out of, shot out of the cannon here. What about if a Tesla wrecks? Can you... How do you cut a Tesla with that huge battery? So with the battery, you have to know where the wiring is. They have markers that alert us somewhat, but you know where the batteries are. Everything's run on the lower pillar. Because if those catch fire, you're just effed, aren't you? Not really. If, if the, I thought the battery fire in a Tesla won't stop burning. It won't stop burning, but you can still get people out of the car if you attack from the, the edges and from the angles. Biggest thing is you, the, do not jump when a tire pops in a car fire. That's the biggest no-no. But it's fun to get a rookie. He's like, hey, stand right here and fight fire because you know the engine's on fire. Heats up the tire, and you'll see it when it's going to do it. You'll see it kind of bounce. The tire starts getting bigger and fatter, and then you just kind of sit there and watch, and all of a sudden, boom, and this rookie will go and kind of step on the hose because you know he's going to fly sideways. And you're like, where are you going? Get back here. Those little things you learn and airbags, you got to be careful of those airbags. Just Here's a question. What is the largest number of airbags What's the record number of airbags in a vehicle today? Nine. Sixteen. Nailed it. How did you know? You liar. I know things, Ron. That was a great guess, by the way. (laughs) Sixteen. Why are you mad at me just because I know things? So two on the side, two in the front. Okay, picture this. Curtains. Yeah, you got the the passenger side airbag, which my friend used to call his ex-wife. Hey-oh. And then you've got the big one in the front. You've got the knee bolsters underneath both sides. You have the anti-hit each other in the heads on each seat. You have the not going to hit, and the seat's also not going to hit the pillars. You have the blankets on the sides. You've also got the ones underneath the knee bolters in the back. You've got the seat belt airbag that comes across the chest on each on all uh, four corners. Not They don't have one for the fifth person. You have the, I'm trying to remember. I think I lost count somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we were at 14. Yeah, no, you have the, the buckles. I'm sorry, the headrest. The headrest will actually move forward. They're actuated until it catches your head before you get whiplash and your head goes backwards. So all the anything with a headrest has those, the seat activation. As long as you're sitting in there pressure, that's the scary part. Uh, you've got the knee bolsters, the front, the side, the, the rollover uh, curtains. They've got them every freaking place. It is nuts now. 
So it's, now think about this, every one of those has an explosive in it. So I have to be careful not to cut that explosive when I'm trying to cut the pillars. So I have to peel the plastic before I get to start cutting pillars. Because when you cut the wire, it detonates it? No, the wire will not. You have to explosive inside of it. Uh, you have to be careful of the actual explosive part. Oh, 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 I can cut the wires, and I can cut the airbag that hasn't inflated yet. Oh, I see. But if I cut this one little or- is yellow piece. Like the pressure point. Exactly. The, the, where the sparker is, where, uh, I guess, uh, what's the explosive that clowns use? Uh, God dang it. You're uh, talking to a guy that doesn't use explosives. Right. I yeah, can't. It's for, for the better. Not Spriggs or whatever, but whatever. That's where it, if it's. right? Squ- no. Uh, squigs. Squigs. There you go. Squibs. 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 There you go. Squibs. Squibs. Well, yeah. you, but you have to study these cars, and I've been studying them for 20 plus years, that every car is different, and the car companies don't care. Because once I learned 2018 cars, they were already designing 2020 cars. And I so when they say, "Oh, this is the highest safety rank car," bullshit. Like, talk to the people that might have to cut it open. So you know where that rating actually comes from? National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They have this machine that crushes it, and they see how many pounds of pressure it can take. It's supposed to take two and a half times the weight of the car if it rolls over. It's not supposed to be able to crush itself. So that's where the rating comes. But if it has a higher rating, then it's safer. What about smart cars? Have you ever had it like them little tiny? Mm-hmm. Are those easier to cut? They're hard. Really? They peel. They peel. It's like, a, like I said, it's a beer can. Before you had an iron car, it was metal, it sheared and it broke apart. Doors would pop loud. Now they just tear apart. They're a pain in the ass. I, they are, you have to be technically superior on your tool usage and placement. Or you're going to be there all day just peeling so, pieces. I got a friend that was in an accident a couple weeks ago, and I won't mention the vehicle name. Um, but he was run off the road and f- like pretty much run into a uh, backhoe. Mm-hmm. And right kind of the passenger front headlight, uh, and not one airbag went off. Because it hit in an angle. It did not hit the front center. Oh, well, that's good. So if you're going to wreck. That's good and safe. If you're if you're going to wreck, make, make sure, sure to hit it straight on. You need to be head-on collision. So, so why I, would they not put one in the corner like that? Is because that, that's an it's not a it's not a sensor spot. That's not a common denominator because that's not what the highway transportation test. Mm. It's side impacts and front and back and front and back impacts and rollovers. But our our, mm. our government is so dumb about. Here we go. We don't need to get no, down. This don't, road. don't get into politics. Well, about no, it but I'm talking about just like everything with safety ratings and this and that and. That and this. I mean, I'm all for safety. I want everybody safety third. What about uh? What about some of the fun times? Okay, so I did have a story I told the other day, and, and the second you said you wanted me on the show, I was like, I got to tell this story. So we go to this trailer park, and they're the trailers are up on you know on blocks, and they're just lined up like cordwood. And Cruz is one of the windiest places on earth during the spring. So this fire starts. Have you been to Oklahoma? Yes, because you have tornadoes, and that terrifies me. Naders. Yeah, naders. So we go, and we show up, and it's calling all cars. Everybody show up because the first trailer that caught fire has already blown over and under the trailer next to it, Uh started it on fire, and was going into number three because there's no skirting under any of these. It's, It's a pretty bad trailer park. We pull up. I'm probably the fourth unit in. And they just started hollering. They said, your crew, go to the fourth house and make sure they're go to, go to house three and house four that are affected. And they gave me the numbers. I can't remember. So me and my partner, he's a rookie. And he's just, you know, he's trying to outdo me. He's trying to outrun me. I'm like, walk, don't run. You know, walk with purpose. I said, but keep your head on a swivel. Look. And we're walking by, which I, to this day, I wish I'd have got a picture. Because 
the flames were probably about 80, 90 feet long from where they originated from, from the first house. Dang. And they were going under and over and swerving through the, ha- through the trailers. So we get to the third house, and we look, and the front door is open. And I look across to the other trailer, across the lane, and there's a family out there. And so I told the rookie, run over there and see if that's them. I'm going to walk to the next house. He runs over, and he, he yells at me, and he thumbs up. They're good. So I wave him back. He's coming back. And, of course, fire's loud. And with having eight fire engines, water running, you know, families are screaming and yelling. Everybody's trying to do something. I get to the fourth house, and he's got a little tiny deck, patio, kind of halfway made right, halfway not. <laughs> and the screen door just flies open. Because I'm, I'm already beating on the windows and doors, and I'm walking through the house just to give him an idea that I'm coming in. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get shot in the front door by some crackhead, right? right. So I'm, <laughs> I've said that for probably, years. I, I, yeah, just always start at the front of the trailer and then work your way to the door. They'll shoot the door first. So I'm beating on the wall. This guy comes out, and it's a cute, a cute little family. They got like eight kids. Mm. And the mom's got like two of them wrapped up, and she's just, she's just dragging them out by their shirts and running. The dad comes out, and he's just in his tidy whities Oh, yeah. They're not so tidy, not so whitey. <laughs> and one side <laughs> is uh, eggshell white. Yeah. Uh. The, the, the waistband is not very oh. very good. And the, the, well, the leg band on the right side is not good either. And my rookie just freezes up. That's nuts. It, well, <laughs> it, gets, it gets better. You probably have a pair just like he's that. He's got four babies wrapped up from all different ages, from like just born probably a couple days ago to about three years old. How that worked, I, timing is everything. Wow. He's carrying him out, and he's he walks right past me, and I'm just saying, vamanos, vamanos, vamanos. And he turns that way, and the rookie turns around, and I said, hey, rookie, check it out. He looks, and it's like that old bull. His ball is literally hitting himself <laughs> in the back of <laughs> as he's jogging off because it came right out, and I am in tears. I am, My rookie, he's just sitting there staring. His, his eyes are this big like, is that possible? <laughs> and I'm, holy Lord, and he just can't stop. He's like, dude, stop staring at the guy's sack. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. So we, we go, and we Man, finally stop it at that house. That took balls. <laughs> yeah, that took balls. He was balls out, it boys. It reminds me of the in Billy Madison where they're doing the running, and the guy falls over backwards, and those two high school kids are sitting there, and he goes, gross, did you see that guy's balls? <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you couldn't help. It was like, the hell is that? Oh, dear Lord, but the fire was the light, but it was kind of in and out, and it shadowed it. Then you just see it just flop, flop, flop. Like, oh, Lord. I, I heard a story one time from a, I'm not going to mention the name, but one of my friends that's a first responder that was working at car wreck, and uh, the lady was stuck in the car, and uh, her foot was in the ditch. and uh, Like severed foot. Yeah, the foot was off, and um, she was very calm. She was horribly drunk. And, um, but she was like, my foot hurts terrible. She's like, it hurts so bad. And, uh, the, uh, person who found the foot in the ditch approached his buddy and said, do you think we should show her the foot and she can point to where it hurts? (laughs) 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 I mean, which I know that's kind of fucked up or screwed up, but but I mean, like it's morbid, but whatever. When you were a first responder, there's going to be times when you got to just kind of keep it. Your humor gets dark sometimes. You, you got it oh. because you can't go down the rabbit hole. Like sometimes, uh, you know, you just got <laughs> to go, this is how it is. Tell us right you just so houses, whenever you're inside of a, a structure that's actually on fire, a house is on fire. We went to a house that the door melted 
It's one of those kind of plastic coated with foam inside. The door had already melted down. Flames are just whipping. Had a rookie with me. And I peek in. We can't go in until we get the other units there. So we have to wait till there's a safety crew there ready, uh, Rick team, rapid extrication, to get us out if we get in trouble. They're there for us. So I'm sitting there, and I looked at him, and I said, okay, there's carpet in this house. So in a structure fire, on the ceiling is about 1,000 to 1,200 degrees. And as it goes down, it's 900, 800, 600, Because heat rises. I remember that from uh, yeah. middle school. So elementary school. Basically, the floor is like an oven right now, 400, 450. You cook a turkey down there if it flames long enough. So I see there's carpet in there, and I'm going, oh, yeah. I'm, he's got his brand-new bunker gear on. It's fresh out of the academy. And I was like, hey, bud, watch this. We're going to play with this fire. I said, come in here and kneel down. And this way you always see firefighters squat down, or they'll one knee it, but they won't put their knee all the way down. So he kneels down. I said, hey, get comfortable. And I said, just spray it a little bit, and we'll get the snakes to come out. You can see them. So he hits it and kind of cools it just a bit. Smoke drops, goes up, and then you see the snakes start coming out. And like eight, nine, ten of them, and they're trying to feed. And they come over you, and they're whipping out the door. And I said, that's pretty cool, huh? I was like, yeah. I said, let it roll a little bit. Once the Rick crew will hit it, we'll do a quick knockdown. We Now we can see, because with the fire, you use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there mesmerized by what's going on. But I'm doing my, my calculated mm-hmm. checks. All right, time to go. Rick's in place. You know, go, you know, go get him. I, sta- I, I just stand up and said, let's go. He has melted his knees to the carpet. Uh-uh. The carpet's made of plastic nowadays. Right? Oh, shit. So he sat there, and we walked in. The heat hits your knee pads. He's on the carpets at temperature. His <laughs> knee pads are at temperature. He kneels down. Glue. Now you're one. So Get he, up, rookie biatch. Yeah, I was like, get up, let's go. And he's like, sir, I, sir, sir, I, sir, I, I was like, uh, I'll take that hose line. Then. All right, let's go. <laughs> go fire, fire. Hey, can somebody come in with me? Come with me. He walks up, and he's got these two patches of carpet <laughs> cut out, stuck to his knees. And he just can't, he, poor guy, he just looks at me, he's all, that was a dirty trick. And I was like, that's not a trick. I said, okay. You learned, didn't you? Attention, <laughs> rook. Yeah, come on, rookie. Is, so. is there a lot of hazing, though? or No, I like, uh, not like football. I mean, you, guys, you guys all got to, that's why, when I get in, in high-pressure situations, I, I revert to being just stupid as shit, and I can't even help it. Mm-hmm. Like I would be terrible. So Matt Tarr, rodeo clown, I worked with him in a, a show in Arizona. We went back to his room real quick. He had to get something. I can't remember. We're driving back, and sure enough, we see this motorcycle T-bone, this old-school Cadillac. Mm. Guy flies over the front of it. I mean, I'd look up right at the light because he goes, holy, and I look up, and bam, because the car pulled out and the motorcycle was coming towards us nails it just squares up the front hood or the mm. fender flies over it and matt's like oh 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 you know matt he's shaking like a little chihuahua just, oh oh should we stop and i was like well i guess we'll see what's going on <laughs> and matt you know matt i said just park over here get out of the way and matt let's, let's go take a look and I'm like hey bud how you had his helmet on and the, the good thing the mask kind of popped up in the front it's like how you feeling he's like oh my legs hurt my my, my abdomen hurts this and that and matt said what do you need what do you need i was like go look at the handlebars and the tank and tell me if they're bent. They don't know if his thighs hit it, whatever. And we go through the whole thing in mass. Just so I have pretty soon I go, hey, Matt, go get me the license plate number. <laughs> so Matt goes over and he gets the license. He's like, 
what do I have to get the license plate number for? I was like, because I just needed you to go away, all right? <laughs> just, I need to put you somewhere I can, you know, and the ambulance crew shows up. I don't pull out a badge or anything and tell him anything. But once I start telling him he's got good pressure, he has pain here, localized, he's A&O times four. I give him, once you kind of speak their lingo, they know you know your stuff. Yeah. And then they're cool about it. So it's high-pressure situations. When something exciting happens and everybody's like, oh, and they're getting mad and angry, I just kind of look at them and go, well, okay. Yeah. Like in dealing with fighting bulls, you know, I don't really work the barrel much anymore, but there forever when I was working every bullfight there was, it seemed like, you know, those bulls are horribly mean and can kill you. But, you know, when I'm out there, it doesn't bother me. It's just another day. I mean, it, I'm excited. But that's experience. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem after a while, it's like, well, it's just another day of, you know. Well, and I, and obviously, I don't, I don't want to act like announcing is anything like what y'all are talking about. Yeah, but well, like when I put in the air where you're safe, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like announce, like when I first started announcing, I'd get really, really nervous and stuff, and and it just as you get more comfortable and just more, more surrounding and stuff, I still get like excited, like you know when it's hot songs playing and you know fixing to go. Um, but you know, it's very rare that I truly get nervous anymore. And but they're still, and you've seen them, you've heard them. Announcers locking up. Oh they, yeah, they haven't been in that situation. They've never experienced that. Yeah. Same with firefighting, police. There's only so much you can fighters. teach. Like right until you get in the in the heat of the battle, you got to fail a lot. And that's what I learned in early childhood: fail a lot. I'm working on engines, blow up a lot of stuff. Car stereo systems, blow up a lot of stuff before you figure out what works and what doesn't. Awnings on the side of your RV that got blown off of Bandera. <laughs> yeah, rookie. Exactly. You move there, leaving that out. But the duct tape's still good. It's holding that window in there pretty good. Oh, yes. Has there any been nice. any firefighters that, like, when they get to the station, you're like, this son of a bitch ain't going to make it? Yes. And I, you see them in the academies. And I taught eight academies. I was a PT coordinator for, I think, nine maybe. I don't know, eight or nine. I can't remember where you're there every, and you see them under stress. And a lot of them, and believe it or not, they did not like me when they came online because I yelled at them and I hurt their feelings. And I had to sit each of them down eventually and say, look, I wasn't there to be your friend. I'm there to put you in a pressure situation, which is you and your physicality, what you can push yourself to do and see how you respond. If you don't respond, you're showing us you can't handle pressure situations and you just get, you, you throw your sucker in the ground. We don't need that. We need you to step like, up. You ain't going to talk to me like that. Exactly. Bitch, you're running to a fire. It's not time to talk about feelings. Nope. Yeah. I, I don't have time for your feelings. And if I had a heart that would break it, I would tell them all the time. But they also don't understand cowboys, country folks, how we were raised. Right. It was, you know, same with your family. Same with your family. Hey, work harder. Get your ass back. Don't don't stay here. Everybody yell at everybody. <laughs> no, my family, my dad didn't, my man, my dad Man, a few words. He didn't have to say much. If you were in trouble, he just looked at you, and you're like, "Oh, piss." That's yeah. like that's like uh, lots of rodeo friends and stuff. You know, the joke is always, "Man, boy, imagine how we'd treat each other if we didn't like each other." <laughs> exactly. Well, but not okay. Now this is nothing the same. But when you talk about being in the heat of the battle in rodeo, when we're trying to run a good production, sometimes we all get mad at each other. Oh yeah. But it's because we want it to be as great as it can be. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, I mean, we're all vested. Like Casey Harp and, you know, this oh here running shoots. He did the Matrix. He, yeah. ran, he, he and never I touched the shoots with his hands. He and I have, he and I have dirty cussed each other during performances before. And then afterwards, it's like just like nothing happened just because 
you're in that focused in the zone and and i want to bring this in where after the the conclusion of the rodeo everybody has to file a report oh <laughs> yeah. God. everybody has to sit down and file write it out and dear pierce the third perf garrett was a dick here's why <laughs> <laughs> the second perf at bandera garrett you're the rodeo announcer made me do a backhand spring in the arena that is so sandy i could not jump <laughs> <laughs> oh sure, blame it on the blame it on the footing oh, barrel racer. Yeah, here we go. No, the, wow. the, the arena was great. Bad ground. It wasn't bad. It's <laughs> bad ground. I didn't have good footing. It's bad ground for trying to do a backflip. Mm, well, that's why I was trying to escape from mm-hmm. the anyhow. But quit trying to run away from your feelings. You know what? You you can read about it in the report. <laughs> <laughs> and being at the firehouse, none of these guys understood what I was doing. They, they like rodeo wise. Rodeo wise, they're like, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like. Well, and it got to the point where I'm like, I go there and I set off fireworks. Oh, really? They didn't know the difference. So they, I'd get to the fire station. And they're like, oh, do you want to watch the PBR? I'm like, nope, not really. <laughs> like, why not? I go, I just finished three perfs and I'm good. I don't like, and plus, I don't know any of these guys' names anymore in the PBR. They are such, it just rotates so quick. But that's going to be the problem with firefighting in the future. You can't find any worker bees. Worker bees is becoming a Gone. lost art. Kind of like welding and leather craft. It's it's going by the wayside because now it's a pretty. Everybody loves firefighters, but it's not a true story. I almost got stabbed at a fire station by a crazy lady. Wow! Came into our fire station and tried to stab us. Why? Because she was okay. So true story. The fire station that I was at there is right next door to the police station. So she was trying to do suicide by cop. So she sat on the hood of her car, 11 o'clock at night, was waiting for an officer to come out to attack him with a knife, so then he would shoot her. Nobody came out. It's 11 o'clock at night. And the police station's closed, right? Right. They're in the back. They come through the gate. So she walked around the perimeter fence, theirs, which came to ours, which was open, which is by our volleyball court. We're actually really good at volleyball, by the way. <laughs> and uh, she walks up by the back uh, window where the dining hall is, and one of the guys says, oh, I got this. I'll talk to her. Tall, blonde. And she just whips out a knife and starts coming at him. Mm. We close the little glass door, and she's sitting there looking at us and hitting the door with the knife. Dang. And then we look over, and somebody left the bay door open for the, the engine. Oh, shit. So she walks into the fire station. Oh, shit. We're yelling that at her. sucks. We're in a... Ugh. Yeah, and she comes chasing us. She chases us outside, and we're holding the door. She's inside of our fire station with a knife, <laughs> and there's nine of us outside of the fire station looking at her. We're calling dispatch to come and come save us, and they're like, stand by. No, no standing by. <laughs> Screw you, stand well, by. Come get us. Mike Rowe, who does. The police are right next door. <laughs> the, was, Mike, she, was she cracked out? Oh, yeah. She was. She got to the point. to be. We, we finally, uh, one of the guys attacked her with, a, she threw the knife at one of the guys. Mm-hmm. It slid into the, into the bay, so she went after to get it. One of the guys hit her with a trash can. <laughs> Four very stout Plast, firefighters. Plastic or metal trash can? Plastic. Okay. So It's different. And. Had her in arm bars and ankle locks, and that woman was still getting up. Really? So I kind of went, laid on her back, and she was picking all of us up. <laughs> she never said a single word. Ooh. Never said a single word. Officers show up, and they're like, hey, how's it going? We're like, oh, cuff this lady. We're over there sweating. Yeah. Bitch is crazy. Yeah. So they interview Damn. her. The officer comes back a couple hours later and goes, you want to know what she said? I'm like, what? And he like, tells us the story that she got in a fire with her boyfriend, and I'll show you this and that. And he, he goes... Yeah, I was trying to get them to kill me, but they ran like a bunch of bitches. 
Oh. <laughs> we were like, oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Micro that does dirty jobs. Yep. Yes. He said it. I, I watched one of his uh, interviews the other day. He said that our society has taught these kids that you are not successful if you are a, a plumber, an electrician, mm-hmm. correct, a welder. That's uh, such crap. So, oh, I agree. I, I I was thinking about it even for my kids. I'm like, if they didn't go to a regular, I went to, I got a degree, I'm a rodeo clown, but yeah, you know, the thing is, our the, the society is getting away from people like we need firefighters, yeah. we need policemen. Yeah, but you guys have and to put up with so and much. And yeah, it's welders not, and everything. But the politicians not, made it hard to be a, a police officer. Yeah, yeah, it, it's They're making everybody hate them. It, it everything is getting so hard that if we don't have these people that continue to uh, be EMTs and, and welders, like you said, firefighters, we need these people. And and I mean, not to get off on the political side of it, but yeah, I mean, there there are good ones and I mean, there are bad ones too out there. There's always a, a bad egg in the carton. But there's a lot more good ones than bad ones, but they don't ever talk about the good ones. No. All you ever hear about, because that's what the shock value is. Let's get shock value. Oh, and when firefighters get bad names is, oh, firefighter DUI, police officer DUI. But it's like, let's not talk about us being up at three in the morning Mm -hmm. and saving how many people's lives or doing what for who. But it's not about the glory for me. I never wanted a medal and an Mm -hmm. honor. And I got a lot of plaques and cool stuff. It was, you know, it was an honor to have that Mm -hmm. stuff. But once I walked away, I walked away. The, the, the awards was not your why. No. And my dad was always a big, okay, that's nice. What's next? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. What's next? Yeah. He's like, don't ever stop grinding because right. when you stop grinding, that's when you just stop living. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my biggest fear as a rodeo clown is anybody that would ever say he's complacent. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to ever at any rodeo, whether it's Greensburg, Kansas or San Antonio, Texas, I don't want to leave the arena and have someone go, he just he just floated through, like I, every perf. I want to be like, try to do the best I can, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I've gotten better the late the longer I go. You know about I'm not leaving the arena ever. Where years ago, you know, I'd go back during the bronc ride and slam a beer, hang out, you know. <laughs> but you know nowadays, you know, trying to, and I think that's one thing for anybody the drive to continue because you're never finished but your career has has shown that your rewards from your hard work and labor how great a job you do i've worked with you i don't know how many years and to watch your career go where it has that's just amazing i love to watch that and it's so funny it was funny for my wife when we watched the nfr when you went as the barrel man 2013 at 2013 she's she's like is that justin i'm like yes she's like really it took her like three we were watching three nights in a row she's like Justin, like, stayed, in our, stayed at our house. Like, yes, Justin Rumford. It was Ash- 10 years ago, Rump. Yeah. I know. But it was, that was just, my wife didn't quite mm-hmm. grasp that. And she's all, oh, my God. Like, he's just Justin to mm-hmm. us and the kids. Yeah. But, you know, the one thing uh, I will tell you, and I hope a lot of people in the rodeo deal can, can really understand this. And I've been more blessed and more fortunate and, and had so much help. But at the end of the day, none of those buckles do anything for you, you know. You can't call them. They can't. Mm-hmm. They can't be your friend. They're just something to put up there. Because <laughs> yeah. during COVID, when shit was bad, my friends that helped me get through a, a hard time. Amen. That that's that's what that's what mattered, and and you know that's what I'll take away. And uh, at the end of the day, when we're done rodeoing, man, you think about it. When you're done, uh, no one cares what you did. 
This they, sport forgets you fast. And, and it, probably the same in the firefighting. When you, when you get done firefighting, you know, people are going to remember how hard you tried and, and you're the person that you are, not, you know, the awards. and They don't remember the awards, but they also want to badmouth you. And that's the same with rodeo. And I see that and I hate that. Like, we don't know our rodeo history. Enough people do not know the history. I, I wish we could put more people in the Hall of Fame while they're alive. Mac mm-hmm. Altizer. That is that drives me insane. Mm-hmm. You know, he reinvented rodeo, redesigned it where it put us on the upscale, and no, nothing. And that's where, yes, we're putting seven, eight people at a time, but we're still behind. There's still some amazing people that have done so much for rodeo and have done so much in rodeo, but we don't do anything about it, and we're we're losing our history. You can ask any of the bull riders that come here, saddle bronc riders. Any type of history, and I'm not even talking twenty, you know, past twenty five years. You asked them ten years ago, and they're not going to know, and that's disgusting to me. Because if you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat the bad stuff again. Right, and that's look what at our, look at our country. Look exactly, <laughs> and we have a lot of, and I hate. There's a lot of people in rodeo that are here for themselves. Oh yeah, and it doesn't excite me. I don't want to really talk to them. I don't want to hang out with them. Because I want to do the best I can for the show I'm at, where I'm at, or any rodeo. Mm-hmm. If he calls me and says, hey, you have this, you have this song, or did you do this? Can you edit this? Yeah, no problem. Do it. Because if it betters his rodeo and makes you need something, a sound effect or whatever, or a voice or blurb over, whatever, I want rodeo to be better. Mm-hmm. And that's if, you know, think about it. Rodeo is 1% of the sports entertainment business. Less than 1%, actually. Mm-hmm. How can I work my tail off to make it 2%? Something that I truly love and have made a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. I want it to be better, and I want people to be better from it. And I think the show last night showed it, where you were having a lot of fun. You were having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm always having fun, and it's a joy to watch you guys work. So then I'm having fun, and it just makes it well better I, for I, the crowd. I've, I've always told people, too, like, and you know you don't have a microphone doing your job, so you you portray your your mood in different ways. But he and I with microphones, if we're having fun, if we're laughing and cutting up, that's infectious to the people in the crowd. If he if he and I don't have a good working relationship and there's no genuine laughter there, then the the people, even if they think something's funny, it's not as much. It's not as strong of a laughter. But if he and I are out there goofing off, like and and just. If if you walk up into a crowd of people and they're all laughing, what do you automatically do? You you kind of chuckle along with them because you know something funny has happened. That's what Cotton Rosser always said. He goes, "If we're not having fun producing, oh yeah, how can we? That's right. How can you, we expect them to have fun?" And the more that I listen to these stories about firefighting, the more I realize how blessed I am mm-hmm. to not have to, you know to not have to deal with this stuff. And, and thank God we. Uh, we have you. I gotta. I gotta ask you this question before we the end. Is this so, a question from a listener? You, no, you were uh, talking about um, volleyball. Okay. Oh boy. Did you put? Do you guys? When you guys, do you guys, <laughs> do you guys take your shirts off and turn this on as like? No, we don't play shirts versus uh, <laughs> skins. No. Yeah. Top Gun. Top Gun. You remember this in Top Gun? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, we did not. Yeah. But we pretty much, and I, my family's all law enforcement. Some of my best friends are in the law enforcement. But we pretty much dominated them at basketball and volleyball. If you, this is the Kenny Loggins playing with the boys. 
<laughs> it is one of the best music videos. It, look, James, it's actually a volleyball themed. Oh my gosh. Look at the outfits. <laughs> There's Bush rolling out of these chick shorts. This is, this is so 80s. Look at them socks. I'm playing that tonight. Not I think during, you should. Yeah, not during sing along, okay, but you know, on, at some point. No, wait. No, it's, it's got a bit. Probably uh, the one of the. All right, we're not gonna listen to Ken Loggins. Now, are you gonna go to the new one? Uh, I ain't worried about it. I ain't worried about it right now. The who sang? Um, who sang the new for the new Top Gun when they were playing oh. the dogfight football? Uh, I ain't worried. About Tom Cruise is like, they have to have some fun or they're not gonna want to fight. Then sure, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what, we're going to tie it up. It's uh, been a great day. Are we done already? One hour and thirty minutes. Of... I, had, I had more questions. You know what? Let's do it. Do it. I'm let's, just let's... kidding. I don't really okay. have more questions. <laughs> he never had a question though. <laughs> I did too. I asked who drove the truck. I said okay, I asked yeah. if you had places that brought back memories. Bad memories. Uh, one question before we wrap up. I had another one too. If, okay, let's each ask one more question. No, I'm saying I, there was one I already asked. I can't remember. Okay. What it was. If you could go back 25 years, knowing what you know now, would you change anything major? You know, obviously you're going to change some things. but I would get help sooner with all the things I had seen. Mm. That's the only thing I would change. I would not change my career choice. I would not change the path I made with rodeo. I would not change my relationship, anything like that, because I've had an amazingly blessed life. To go things and go do things and be a part of things that I've always dreamed of to work with the best in the business. Like who gets to do that, and who gets to work with their heroes? You know, you're not only my friends; you're like my heroes because I get to see you work and learn from you guys as well. That I take back to other shows of, hey, this is a good idea. Like I like the way this rolled with this flow. Mm-hmm. But an extremely blessed life. I can't believe I'm 47 years old and I've lived in across the world at one point for three years. I've traveled the nation. I get paid to do what I love and not yeah. just because I have to, because I want to. And it's fun and my family completely supports me. It's a little tough right now that I'm on the road a long time, but they understand. But I would not change a thing besides the get help. If anybody else, just hear me out. If you need help, ask for it or go find it, pursue it. Mm-hmm. Because once you find that happiness, your life opens up even more. It's a whole different high. It is just the greatest thing in the world to know that you're not just this dark cloud anymore. Everything shines. Even when it rains, it's shining. Even when something bad happens, it's shining. Because we're alive. I woke up. I was healthy. I can run still. And it's just a blessing to be where I am today with everything I've chosen to do up to this point. That's so awesome. Uh, I tell you what a great what a great day and thank you Garrett for filling in for Boner. Yeah, you're he's, welcome. He's uh, still in an undis- undisclosed location. undisclosed location. If you follow Snapchat he or Instagram, he's got a Rump Chat uh, investment opportunity to buy um, some condos. Uh, oh, cheap. perfect. Also, uh, don't forget Gold Buckle Beer, Ponca City Rodeo. We can right. get we're going to have Gold Buckle Beer coming up at the 101. Uh, come out and see us June 8th, 9th, 10th. 8th, 9th, and 10th. Ben Burgess, Chancey Williams, and Dylan Carmichael. Come right in Ponca night. City. We're going to have more gold buckle beer. We sold semi-loads last year We're and ran out. I think the first order is already for 150 cases. We, we're going to have plenty wow. of gold buckle beer, so uh, be sure to show up. And uh, don't forget, we still have our great, um, our great deals with Manscaped. Okay? 
clean yourself up. Tell us about it, Rump. Manscaped. Do you manscape, James? You're a good-looking guy. I, I manscaped. Wow. He manscaped. Kind of a personal question. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it? not just for your pubes. It's for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> just don't use the same one on both. That's, that's <laughs> oh, weird. That's you know, odd. That gets germy. Also, rodeo, uh, don't forget Rodeo Patch, man. I got uh, my Rump Chat Rodeo Patches down here. Been get RodeoPatch.com will get you lined up. Go to their website. It is absolutely phenomenal, all the, the cool new stuff, and we're uh, getting the word out, and a lot of people are getting Rodeo. That's who makes my convention banners. Is RodeoPatch.com. And I can't say enough good things. I want to go visit them, but our good friends at Red River Arenas in Coleman, Texas, uh, outstanding summer savings right now. You know, they're not trying to change the, the whole world of arenas. They just want you to be able to rope in your own backyard. It's all made in Texas. It's a family. It's not a big corporation but redriverarenas.com find them on instagram just spectacular deals going into the summer official arena of jb mooney jb mooney bucktown texas is what he calls his right. and the, he he used red river buck and shoots and and uh if jb says that those are tough he knows tough they're tough then those are extremely tough so thank you all for tuning in give me back next week hambone will be back in the house and once again thank you to james we're going to go get some lunch, me and Garrett. Oh, my favorite part of the day. We're going to end up with a little fun here in Bandera. God bless, everybody. Have a good day, everybody. Stay classy, San Diego.